Eve, we are all the way live. Welcome, everybody. It is a great pleasure to be here, as always. Break the rules. This is our second stream of the day. We had a stream today with the great Sean Lang. That was happening at around, uh, uh, how was it, uh, 3 p.m.? And now it is 6 p.m. over here on the East Coast. And it is a great pleasure to be here with uh, Gio, who should be coming back pretty soon. We have great friends of mine back from the National Arts Club days which are still around. I am still chair of the Art and Technology Committee, but these wonderful people are from originally the time that I got into, as we call it now, NFTs, as I called it back then, crypto art. And we had an event there at the National Arts Club where we brought in people to talk about it. And from there, I got more interest in the NFT world. And uh, now it seems to be exploding like all hell. So is this a fad? Is this something that's going to stick around? We also have John Crane of Super Rare, coming in right now and speaking of super rare i recently created an nft i'm pricing it right now at 2000 smackaroos my last one sold for 2200 smackaroos very nice uh, very nice surprise there and john heads up super rare so i would love for him to talk a little bit about that as well but anyway guys let's figure out what exactly is going on with this nft business so happy to have everybody here and let's just go through the introduction so let's start with uh, the middle square over here lewis parker my good friend lewis can you tell us a little bit about yourself what you are doing within the realm of nfts go for it brother sure well uh, my first my first exposure to nfts was uh actually the rare pepe blockchain project which was um back when you know the the word nft wasn't yet coined um i believe there were a few things going on on ether at the time like crypto punks and Rare Pepe was one of the first things on Bitcoin where people were creating tokens to make like the meme that of a Rare Pepe into an actual Rare Pepe. So kind of progression from meme to you know, like a technology platform art suite. And then people started trading these things because, you know, there's a built-in decentralized exchange onto Bitcoin through counterparty. And so there's a whole like little kind of a pioneering movement that happened there that I was found interesting. And um, currently I'm a software developer and I've worked on a few NFT platforms, but like from kind of like contract development side. So I know the ins and outs. Excellent. And how about yourself, Gus? Okay. Hey, hello everyone. Happy to be here. And happy to see you again after so much time. Um, well, I my my background before getting into what now is called NFTs is that I was uh, trying to get uh, more active, more involved in the in the blockchain ecosystem back in 2015 and 16. But then in 2016, as the same as as Luis, um, I, I I was caught there uh, with a rare Pepe phenomena. So. Um, so from there, uh, I mean, I, I guess it happened uh, to all of us. We realized that this was a very powerful idea, that this was just going to grow from there. And, and all my efforts since then have been more uh, directed into developing uh, this, kind, this technology. So we created uh, a very early um, 
art market on the blockchain called Artolin, which is still up and running. And that's that's uh, built with uh, with the same technology as the as the uh, Rare Pepe wallet of Joe Looney. And um, and uh, then we start working more uh, actively with Ethereum. I have a great dev team, by the way, uh, a big uh, uh, shout out to Raimundo and Enrique, which are my my commanders. And uh, so we've been working in this uh, in this ecosystem, developing uh, platforms and software, and and uh, and uh, um, helping people craft their 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 NFTs. And and uh, yeah, very excited about it. Excellent! Thank you so much for coming in here. And Jessica Angel, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you fit in this whole uh, NFT business. Thank you, Lev, for having me, and thanks everybody. Hello. Um, so I entered the blockchain space in mid late 2017. Uh, I had no idea that such thing as digital scarcity even existed when I first entered. I was uh, approached by a project called Truebit, which is a layer two uh, verification layer solution for the Ethereum blockchain, kind of like a a scalability solution for the Ethereum blockchain. And they came to me because I make these artworks, art um, installations that are uh, immersive spaces that are inspired by digital spaces and very techy looking. Um, so they came to me because they were interested in having me, you know, commission own artwork that would uh, bring art to be as a sort of intermediate between new people and blockchain. So art as a sort of gateway, as a sort of a introduction gate for for new people in the space. And that's what I've been mostly focusing on, uh, using my installation art to gather audiences and bring artists to the space. Um, I haven't really been doing much with tokenizing because I don't create digital art. So I'm like in this sort of different field. I'm in the sidelines of the NFT, but since 2017, I've been just like seeing this grow and I'm learning about it. And I'm actually even helping sort of the, the community kind of bringing people together around it. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is amazing to see how uh, for the first time you see virtuality, virtual art to be uh, sort of taken in the same form that we have been taking physical art. So uh, it's it's been a really interesting journey and being part of it. It's it's been quite a quite a, a yeah a journey Excellent. for sure. Yes. Excellent. Great to have you here. And uh, Adam Lehrer, great to have you back with us once again. And tell us a little bit about yourself and how you fit into this whole thing. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Lev. It's good to be back. I am a writer, a critic an artist and the curator of the safety propaganda art criticism platform and the co-host of System of Systems. NFTs, well, I'm certainly not as going to be as versed in the technical speak as the rest of you all, but I am a little fascinated by this phenomenon for a few reasons. For one, when I was still a practicing artist before I gave it up for um, literature. I was mostly working in digital archival kind of uh, strategies of creating art, such as collecting digital ephemera, images, videos, 
and then collaging and montaging things and trying to create aesthetic objects out of basically what I considered a research practice. And I'm still doing that to an extent, just not taking it as serious. But here comes a way to actually ascribe some value to digital images, digital objects, etc. The other reason that I am interested in NFTs is because they have enraged the people that I hate the most, which are art world shit libs like Jerry Saltz and Walter Robinson. Walter Robinson <laughs> tried talking shit to me the other day, yesterday. Fuck that guy. Anyways, these people really fucking hate this shit because the sort of ephemeral evaluation of NFTs kind of blows up their entire fucking sphere because they've been attaching insane, insane dollar amounts to artworks for God knows how long that have never really made any sense. And it, you know, it's, if it's all built on speculation, then why not just add in these NFTs into the mix? So I think on the level of just like creating a phenomenon that makes life harder for people that are awful, then I'm, I'm all for that. Well, Adam, my, my good friend, I think I may have to change my position on NFTs now. If that's the case. <laughs> By the way, well, I, I want to say... Uh, you wrote recently an excellent, excellent review of Paul McCartney, not McCartney, McCarthy's <laughs> recent gallery. Paul McCartney, um, yeah, re retired from the Beatles and Paul became a... <laughs> <laughs> Paul McCartney died in 1967. That's a fact. Well, imagine, <laughs> yeah, imagine if replaced. Paul McCartney... There was a clone. Uh, well, yeah. imagine if Paul McCartney... No, it, well, now he's got a... Uh, uh, what do they call it? The projection image where they got the mm. they got Tupac like rapping. Tupac, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a deep fake. He's one of the uh, earliest deep fakes. They deep well, <laughs> if they were to do any deep <laughs> fake... He's they, computer they generated. Were, if they were to do any deep fake, what I would love for them to do is do like a Dragon Ball Z style fusion dance with Joseph McCarthy and Paul McCartney and combine them together <laughs> well, into well, one like a British anti-communist... Anyway, I'm not going to... And well, this right well, now well, because we have a uh, we have John we have John Crane in the house right now and John I am happy to announce that my latest NFT for Super Air is out right now it is called Spike Lee I'm gonna put a link to it over here so John, can you show it yeah, Lev legally I will show yes yes people? that's the beauty about right John that's the beauty about these NFTs that you could show them you could share them around and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself about super rare and uh, I like the uh, the guruing it up over here with the uh, with the facial hair I can't hear you oh no John oh no he's muted he was not muted but there may be some problem with the audio no. right now so John speak to us Speak to us, buddy. What about now? There we go. There yes. we go. Yeah, yes. perfect. All right. Um, yeah, what's up, Lev? Thanks for uh, bringing me on. And there's some friendly faces in here, so fun to, to be on. Um, yeah, so my name is John. Let's see. I got into NFTs. I don't know. I think, like, my first exposure was Spells of Genesis, uh, kind of like trading cards back in the day in Counterparty. I didn't know they were called NFTs or anything like that yet. And yeah, I was kind of working in the crypto space, always was more interested in, um, I don't know, I wasn't like a big finance guy, just like the idea of like, you know, being able to program this stuff and wanted to build tools that, you know, humans could enjoy 
and people had fun with. And so, you know, kind of set out to build super rare, wanted to build something fun and engaging on top of Ethereum. And yeah, you know, the first two years were kind of slow and steady. And over the past year, we've seen a lot of, a lot of excitement in NFTs. Uh, so yeah. Wow. You're the, the head of super. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. There we go. Lev, we're, bringing in, <laughs> we're bringing in the big guns. Oh, me, is- and, me and Lev go way back. We, uh, I, I wanted, I think a good question that we should ask the panel, and this is totally self-serving as a person who does more of traditional art mediums, painting, printmaking. I want to use an example. I just carved this last night. Uh, can someone take a traditional sort of painting or artwork and trade them as an NFT? So I did these sumo wrestlers last night, Lev, if you want to. There you go. go. Actually, it's it's printed the right way because it's, the camera reverses the uh, image. So that's my uh, little woodblock. So I wonder, could someone who works not necessarily in digital art, uh, because this is my skepticism of NFTs, besides that being like a market-driven fad that we could get into, but can someone, <laughs> but can someone working within traditional mediums of art of art creation, can they get in on the action, so to speak? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I, you know, NFTs, uh, they're just, I mean, I think the power is that you can, you can issue a unique ID for some object and that object can be whatever you want. Um, I think, you know, we've never really had a good open source data set of unique IDs for objects. And so that's kind of how I think about this. Um, so if you wanted it to represent a painting, um, or, you know, the carved block of wood, I certainly think you could use an NFT to kind of give that block of wood a digital identity. But as far as uh, art goes on Super Air specifically, is it uh, uh, digital only in the sense that uh, it, there cannot be a physical copy of it otherwise? Uh, yeah, so we, I mean, we built Super Air more as a tool for visual artists. Um, you know, kind of saw how the contemporary art market was structured. A lot of the coolest artists that I knew, you know, didn't have gallery representation, didn't go to Art Basel. And so I saw NFTs as kind of a tool to sort of, you know, give these folks uh, a way to, to monetize and have an income through their art. Excellent. And you were doing, uh, were doing, are doing an amazing job. I mean, right now, you just look at the numbers the prices i mean not only for the gas i mean i don't want to get into the gas right we we will get into the gas eventually but just the price for the artworks themselves like uh i said before an artwork that i did uh about uh what was it a year ago i just listed it at 1.2 eth and then lo and behold it was bought for 1.2 eth which right now is like uh 2000 right now it's like 2172 bucks so that was schmitzy that was the artwork that was bought and sensing what kind of pattern like people are being attracted to i mean i see different kinds of different kinds of things that people like like people like on super air more of the abstract stuff i happen to draw a lot of uh pokemon related things 
So let's see how come this one isn't moving. I'm going to save it and I'm going to make it move. But anyway, this is like a fairy that I drew and I know that I am shilling the hell out of my own artwork here. But you know what? This is why I did this NFC. NFT stream. I always call it NFC. This is why I did the NFT stream because I want to shill my artwork and it's very important for me that I shill my artwork because I've devoted a lot of time to making break the rules and now I want to make more of this art because that 2000 price tag for this fairy, for this uh, fairy that's uh, going through a tunnel, you know, that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me that somebody would pay money for this, uh, for this fairy guy who's going through the tunnel. And before we get out of uh, talking about left pull Yaakov's art. I want to share the last one that I did and then I'm going to sh shut up about it. So this one over here, this is called Spike Lee. Not Spike Lee, but Spike Lee. This is he. He is the entity of judgment and he is judging between these two characters over here. So on the right, you have Ear Duck, who is a duck with an ear. Uh, or a pair of ears. You don't see the other ear, but trust me, it's there. And the other one over here, that guy is named Tasker. He has uh, three eyes that glow, and both of them like open their mouth like uh, Ear Duck does a soy face, and uh, Tasker just uh, opens up his uh, mouth in slight disgust. And anyway, this entity over here in the middle, he has to judge between the two who he's going to eat. And after he eats them, then another process is supposed to happen. But the goal for left cards, and again, left cards, this is the official name of what these things are now. The goal for them is to create an artwork within an artwork. So later on, I'm going to put out editions. This one is for 2000 bucks. Later on, I'm going to put out editions of both Ear Duck and Tasker as individual cards that would be sold. And there would be other monsters that would appear in those cards. And those cards would then be reference to others and others and others so in a way i'm building up this world of cards that get referenced to each other by the characters that are within them this is like my own world my own pokemon and once again this is uh the link to the card i want to share it with everybody all the high rollers who are watching this right now invest in lev buy my cards and you will not go wrong invest Any in lev Invest, invest in, in Lev. Lev. Invest in Lev. Anyway. Are you done with the plug, Lev? Can we get I am done with the plug. I am done with the plug. Go to that link. I am done with the plug. So anyway, Gio, what is the, on the other hand, certain frustrations that you may be feeling about NFTs? Now is the time mm. to lay it on the table and have this great panel of experts tell you why you are wrong. Or, or not. Or not. We'll see. Well, I think what I wanted to say would be an interesting point to discuss would be I mean, I, I'm critical of sort of any sort, any techno fad, me being a total Luddite, but at the same time, I feel that it's a logical extension in some ways of the trends that have been going on in the art world since literally, you know, I mean, the stereotypical example being Duchamp, the explode, exactly, yeah, see, it's the explosion of the gallery space in itself. It is uh, performance meets the digital world. And I feel that maybe perhaps for a decade or so the art world was kind of struggling with a way to break into i mean there is like the post-internet artists there are people that have you know artists who have gone into the online space since at least like the early 90s but in terms of actually like solidifying any sort of effective way of the art world to colonize the online space i think nfts probably i know i'm, I'm using the word colonize but i mean the art world in some ways they're 
globbing onto this for obvious reasons. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a logical extension of the way in which contemporary art is going in general. But I'm curious how it's going to be corporatized. Will Magic Mm, the Gathering jump in on this thing? Or yeah, yeah, it wasn't the NBA or NFL, like the NHL. One of them have trading cards going on. You'll have Rudy from uh, that one guy, Rudy, that owns all of the Magic the Gathering cards. He'll get in on the (laughs) NFT game. Lewis, you want to take this one? Well, I mean, you're familiar with the project Don't Buy Meme. Have you heard of this project? Mm, I think I've heard of it, yeah. It started off as this... um, really like very interesting again kind of irony becoming reality they've made this joke on twitter about because people were launching all these kind of DeFi coins and they were like choose your fruit as your <laughs> logo because they had you know they, they all were like sushi swap or whatever so they chose a pineapple and then there was like a screenshot of this joke and then some random person minted this meme token with the pineapple and airdropped it to like whoever was you know gave their address out in time. And I think each recipient got 355 meme tokens out of 28,000. And uh, then there were like a few developers who got it and they're like, hey, this is some cool ideas. There's like some creative energy flowing around, some talented people they got together. One guy from Consensus who kind of became the front man of it. And um, they built a platform, which I believe was the first platform for like um, NFT mining. So like combine like DeFi liquidity mining, but instead of getting like, instead of like mining coins and like making money, you would mine NFTs. So you like buy this meme coin, right? So the coin has value on the secondary market. You would stake it in these pools, accumulate pineapple points, and then exchange those points for art. So there's like a constant demand, right? For this thing. And then it blew up and the price of this thing, like whoever has like the original airdrop are all millionaires if they kept it. And, um, you know, they got all like big artists, like huge, very famous NFT artists. They have like people lined up to like do a drop. So it became kind of like the DeFi NFT, like sweetheart project. And they just announced recently that they're partnering with this, with this platform called Nifty's. Um, which is like funded by Mark Cuban and there's something about like bringing the NFTs to the mainstream and like the NBA, blah, blah, blah. So oh, answer your question. Absolutely. Oh. And sounds terrible it? already. <laughs> well, let's, let's go into that. Why do you think it's uh, why do you think it's terrible? What do you see as the downside to this uh, corporatization of the NFTs? Hmm. How about you, Khan? Do you see any negative sides to that? Yo, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm. Oh, sorry. No? Go for it. No, oh, no, and no. please, please tell me your name again. Zach. And also, Zach and Buff. Was oh, wondering... you're there together in real life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I told well, you, send Zach an invite. But I'm like, wow, he's <laughs> there. We go. Well, he hired, oh, my, he hired my hologram. He got my hologram. To oh, there out. you go. <laughs> Buff was commenting on your outfit uh, as it uh, resembles a certain uh, person we know. Huh? And love, please plug his Substack. It's been quite an enjoyable read. So oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I just you know I don't I don't really know much about NFTs, but I, I know about art and stuff like that. So you know, it makes sense to me. Um, uh, but the, the downside that I see here is, to me, it just seems like a, a new way for money laundering. Um, for anybody. And this is kind of, I mean, this could be an upside too. I'm not saying a moral thing about it. Um, to me, it sort of seems like 
it wouldn't really matter if like Magic the Gathering and stuff started making something. It would be kind of cool, kind of uncool also. But um, I, I, I'm going to guess these things are already funded by some some pretty big money at times. So when, when this is the money that get behind thing, get, gets behind things, and if it, there's big money in it, then like where else does it come from, you know? Yeah. Um, it's sort of just... I, I, it, it's not just more of the same because there's always advancement there's, and there's always extreme acceleration. But um, to me, I can just see how quickly, like, you know, it, in, a, in a sense, like people like, like Jerry Saltz and like those types who like openly hate it. Like, I mean, they're going to be some of the first ones to, to jump in and, and throw money in when they see just how easy it's, a, you know, and, or they're the same people that they support or who support them and back and forth. It's just a, can be another way to, to wash money. Right. And the, and the less mystified the art world's political economic function is, is the more someone like gatekeepers of the art world or whatever are going to have, uh, are going to flip the fuck out. Because the art world, the reason it's getting in bed with this NFT thing is obvious because it know, it ultimately knows its political economic function as a money laundering service for the world's most powerful people. Art really hasn't mattered economically in a long fucking time. I highly doubt the people that pay this amount of money for a Francis Bacon painting are having this like, I mean, they might, I don't know. But like, by and large, you're not gonna buy, you're not gonna buy a Francis Bacon painting for $140 million just because you have such a profound aesthetic experience with the painting that you blow your load every single time because you have this amount of money that you need to liquidate and here it becomes a thing to put your money in. So here's just, I mean, that's what NFTs are going to ultimately be. It's just the, I have this fucking money. I can't keep it in a bank account. Maybe I'll buy this ephemeral thing. And, and uh, I kind of lost my train of thought right now. I mean, that's kind of what well, art is, is this ephemeral thing that could exactly, go up and yeah. down in value. Like you don't know, you don't know what a painting is going to be worth until somebody's ready to buy it exactly and and um just one more thing is i don't nfts don't bother me at all i would like them for uh i would like the ones that get bigger to be a little bit more aesthetically interesting eventually like i think this beeple guy is pretty dull but yeah it's got a lot of like that pop arty culture yeah yeah it's like cause in the digital space or something (laughs) like you know what i'm saying like but if if you know, better art gets made in the version of NFTs than I could really give a fuck. Sorry, Zach, what were you saying? I, I was just going to say two things real quick. Um, this with the blockchain itself being a big part of this. I think it's probably a lot easier to, to hide what you invest in. And then when there's not a physical representation hanging in your house, that's like 12 feet by 10 feet. It's just a bit easier to, to do this all in the dark but my other thing too is uh i'm a little bit different from him i, I like when I, when I heard like rare pepe nfts that got me stoked i i, I just like <laughs> if rare pepes can sell for for big money like oh more yeah. like I, i'm with it if, if that means people are just like digitally how much money do you think the most expensive rare pepe sold for i don't know but let me know because i i want oh, brother i want to get into that market that's a good market <laughs> There actually is rare Pepe's that started like a joke in 2015. Like... Memes become reality. Well, uh, Lewis, how much did it sell for? Uh, it was either like 320 or 350,000. <laughs> yeah, this was like a month ago, right? That's yeah. the top cack right there. That's the top cack. Wait, yeah, like depending go- on your view, could be a steal. This and is a one of a- one rare Pepe. 
And this book, by the way, over here, the rarest book, our good friend uh, Eleonora Breezy, who is watching this right now. Welcome, Eleonora. I hope you're enjoying this. And uh, Eleonora, together with Lewis, created this book, the rarest book. And uh, if you if you notice, this is actually from Mr. Popo, or at least somebody made it from the design of Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z, the cover here. But uh, Lewis, you also came out with a book as well. Uh, not a book. You came out with a painting called Modern Modern Pepe. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, a painting based off uh, a digital artwork. So I should have it over here. Let me just put it into by the, the way, chat. By the way, Lev, I've been quick. fascinated by this one tweet if you scroll up. This is a uh, scroll love this up tweet. or scroll down, 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 scroll there down, scroll down. Okay. There you go. I love this tweet. It's a, it's a work of art. We should sell this tweet. As well. <laughs> That's a good oh, idea. Oh boy. So this is always the boomer. So this is, whoa, what is that? There we go. Oh, Barrett, you got to fix your, Hill suddenly. You, you got to fix your sound, man. But, uh, oh, and we'll, we'll figure that out. But over here, this is modern Pepe over here. This is what it looks like guys. And oh, this is an actual, someone did painting. a Pepe painting. Well, Lewis did it. This is Lewis's hmm. paining. No, so, but another one, it was just the three colors. It was like a, uh, a Rothko, but hmm. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah Which like by the whole... way, this, this, by the way, this modern Pepe addresses the question of you, Gio, because there's like a, physical representation of this token which mm. is important because it's not the other way around it's like the token is representing the physical thing yeah well, if, I, if i could make oh, more I money mean, selling that, that should be better <laughs> that should be that should be better barrett thank you my friend yeah hey barrett hey. can you tell hey. us a little bit about yourself uh barrett and uh what you think of this whole nft craze that the kids are getting into now um well i um i actually made an nft i minted one and i sold it uh not for very much it, it was sort of a just just kind of like a one-off thing you know nfts i was like this is like a drug you know you might as well try it once it may not be good for you who knows it's, it, it's at least worth trying right um so yeah i mean i run and produce a sort of multi um multimedia sort of artistic sound audio platform called Contain. And we do sort of uh, a lot of visual stuff, podcasting. Uh, it, it, so just to get back to topic, because I don't want to talk too much about myself, like, fuck that. Uh, what do I think of NFTs? I, I think, you know, I think crypto is here to stay. I definitely think that there's a huge future in cryptography. I think it's what you do with NFTs. Um, and how you apply it. Like, I'm actually pretty bullish on Urbit. Uh, I hung out with these guys. I went to one of their meetups in town. And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed. Like, it's a really retarded idea, you know, gifting stars, galaxies, moons, and stuff like that. But if you could take NFT cryptography and turn your computer into its own private internet server, it's just crazy enough um, to work. The thing about NFTs is, it, you know, it follows it follows the art market very closely. And there is a barrier of entry to that world where it's but it, it's almost double manifold. Like I was listening to Stefan Simkowitz talk about this actually on Clubhouse today, just because, um, you know, obviously one of the more well-known collectors, he has sort of a controversial name. I get it. Uh, and because well, he, he sounds like Stefan Molyneux. No, 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 no. He's just, he's just, he's just a notorious art flipper. 
who sort of, you know, Thomas Kincaid's a lot of work, quote unquote. And so NFT, you have this thing where oh, you man. have- He's a real mercenary you, then. <laughs> no, he is. He's a total mercenary. Uh, it's a, But the thing about NFTs that I think are interesting is you kind of have this thing with NFTs, like whoever can make the ugliest, most grotesque, shittiest CGI rendering of like douchebags in a nightclub dancing, like those things sell for a lot of money. It's bad work but it creates sort of like a C-level entry market into the art world. Um, Are you that, familiar with a work of, a, like, I believe it was like a Dadaist work of art called The Fountain? Yeah, by Marcel Duchamp. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So I, I see I see what you're saying there. And like, certainly, it, like, there's a market for like shock value. But it's not, it's not just shock value. It's, it's about like taking a group of what you would say uncouth, uncultured people who are interested in investing in the art market and then changing the standard. Like Beeple, for example, you know, his NFT collection sold for 70 million fucking dollars, right? His shit looks like, like just CGI renders. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's like hideous artwork, but uh, it's like technically it's it's all with the Trump being tortured by birds. Yeah. With like Joe Biden, like sucking on Trump's tit. It's just like really (laughs) dumb sort of post Jeff Coons wannabe mixed with. So so the street art world had its own sort of like, uncouth, anti-aristocratic entrance into the art world, right? Like this, so so you have like Cause, for example, that's a good example of of somebody who, and like graffiti adjacent artwork, Obey, that kind of got these sort of um, people who are not real appreciators uh, or true patrons of the arts, it got them investing into art. And you're sort of seeing the same thing with NFT that, that you saw with like cause and you saw with all these other sort of um, people. Right. And, and so in a lot of ways it, it sort of create it, the same thing sort of happened with that. And similar to, to like zombie formalism, even though zombie formalism is seen as like cool and hip, it's like obviously trash, right? Like it's fucking stupid. Well, it's LARPing an era of Yeah, it's LARPing right it's LARPing an era. It still has it still has a little bit of that lineage though. And yeah. I think uh but what you have now is like you can have a dude who like owns a fucking I don't know, like a meat processing facility who now can you know, bid the fuck up. It's like a new way to accrue status for people who don't have cultural capital. Right. And, and, but they think that they're getting cultural capital by like buying a Beeple thing, even though they're like the son of the dude who owns Tetra Pak and they're just not cool (laughs) still. that street in Miami um, where it's like all the worst of the worst street art is in like one neighborhood. Oh, yes. Brutal. Yeah, it's ugly as fuck. But I will have you know that real taggers actually go and just totally destroy the corporate artwork. I like like harshly rendered like lines of text in the city where it has like a poetic quality, but the street art is just terrible, terrible art blown up to the size of a wall. It's all the worst shit. Mm. I also wanted to Eagle walls, really quick yeah. <laughs> that Barrett just referred to zombie formalism, which was a uh, term coined by Walter Robinson, who 
is the same art critic I mentioned previously who tried to step to me the other day. Did, so did he, did he write the I juxtapos- saw that. <laughs> yeah. Did he write the juxtaposed magazine article where I read the term from or? Uh, I don't know. I forget where the article originally ran, but it was basically in reference to a small renaissance of really bad abstract painting around like 2009. But he has not had a clever idea since then. All right. It's the last time he had an interesting thought in his head, and I don't want to give him. <laughs> so is this a, is this example oh. that I'm putting down right now? Is this an example of zombie formalism? And what exactly does that mean, yeah, that, zombie formalism? I, I just want to say real quick, too, I, I see a... I see a pattern here with this stuff that I think uh, so we could say maybe it starts with Duchamp, but I think shock value is always like sort of just the initial read into art that deals with, I don't know, I don't know if NFTs really deal with objection per se, but just, um, you know, I, I see this, the NFT kind of in like a long trend that goes from like uh, Dada Duchamp to like guitar yes. fluxus situationism, mm -hmm. uh, Vienna mm -hmm. actionism, right? And this is mm. one of the reasons the art world would probably react kind of bad is like, you know, they love to sell books like by someone like Alan Caprow, where it's like, you know, let's smash the galleries. Let's get rid of the white walls. Let's just write on, let's just write like on a, on, you know, little postcards to each other instructions right. for how to think about art. Right. And that's like all fine and dandy when. The fluxus you know, boxes. Yeah. Yeah. When they can sell the books for like $75 or they can sell the actual mm. like index cards they wrote on for, millions of dollars you know and even when it just pure conceptual art with ideas well it still generates more money and more revenue for the art market like black trafficking yeah. market you know you're no fucking alan capra let me say <laughs> I, I mean I, I i think i just think we get like a lot of these these movements every few years where people sort of try to throw the baby out with the bathwater per se and and just kind of do something new i mean like i i've been hearing people in the street talking about nfts the last week like the media is really pushing nft really hard specifically the last week and i just think it's kind of a an interesting flip whereas like a few months ago so many people would have been like wow like you look at memes like well you really put your brain in the toilet like you know so then you do the thing where it's like well now digital images are selling for like you know, more money than most families will ever see in their life. It's it's kind of they love to do shit like that. Well, well you know that image. Wanna, oh, wait, wait, hold on. We got to get to uh, Gustavo. Yeah, Gus. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thanks. No, I, I think that the key concept is is what you just mentioned. Oh man, just as he was about There's to speak. About... There we go. Okay, you're back. Uh, there, there was a bit of a yeah. Uh, a delay. So what I what I'm trying to say is that who cares about the big galleries and the, and the big like obviously the big money and the, and the big names are going to make the news. But what's important about what's happening and what people call NFTs today is is what that makes to the average people. Like guys just doing silly drawings, ideas, memes, and selling them even for small fractions of money. I think the average NFT artist. He's not getting millions of dollars, but he's getting some, and 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 uh, and yeah. I think that's like the most powerful thing, not just from the from from the from the moral uh, thing that it should right. be this way or not. It's not that. It's because it shows real adoption, and this is not going to go away. So uh, uh, that's the important thing, I believe. Mm. Like, and, uh, I, I don't and, really care if someone makes a lot of money or not. Yeah. 
And how do you see this uh, carrying forward into the future as far as relationships that would, let's say, develop between the artists and their uh, patrons? Because right now I'm still exploring this community. It's a shame that, uh, I, I don't know, there may have been some problem with uh, uh, John's internet because I wanted to ask him about uh, the relationships that start forming on Super Rare. Because Super Rare, it seems to be like a... Well, oh, okay. I don't know what happened there with uh, Geo. Uh, Super Rare seems to be a social network of its own type and i think more of these uh, places are forming like uh, gus would you say that your side as well artelin is forming into like the social hub that people can meet up and uh uh get to know each other better as well well i mean i, I don't know about like the 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 so the social uh um structure about around artelin because she's been the internet Go on, I hear you. Is it good? Okay. Yes. So, uh, but 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 what you're saying about the social relationship between artists and collectors and and, and artists among other artists, that's super strong. What I, what I'm seeing, this might be just an anecdotal, but what I'm seeing is that these relationships are are being forced to evolve in a way that you create trust. So since super easy to create fakes and to just uh, sell someone else's work and just copy someone else's art. Uh, you are forcing the community to find the centralized mechanisms of trust. And I believe that we are seeing a solid structure of the works for creating uh, social mm. structures on the internet. I, I well, see it like very positive. And uh, now that John is back, uh, I wanted to ask him as well, when it comes to uh, super rare and the social uh, connections that people are forming there and the issue of trust, uh, you know, like what would happen, for example, if somebody were to take somebody else's work and copy it and put that out there as an NFT and then somebody would buy that for God knows how much money and then all of a sudden like, wait a minute, that belonged to, you know, like all that kind of stuff. I hope that that's also being worked out. So I'm just curious what your experiences are when it comes to that. And in general, like what we were talking before, when it comes to relationships forming over time from artists and their patrons, kind of like a revitalization of uh, what used to happen in Italy, where you had the Medici family that was responsible for, uh, you know, uplifting Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and uh, all the Ninja Turtles. So uh, shout out to Charles Kahn, by the way, with that. So, John, can you hear us as well? And we got Shlom, uh, we got Shlomes in here as well, who I would love to hear from after John. But, John, go for it, my friend. I don't know if the connection works right now with your account. Let us know if we can hear. If you are still working on that, let's just go to Shlomes right now. Shlomes, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you're not going to be able to stay for a long time, and you are a very interesting NFT artist. So take it away, my friend. Thanks, man. And uh, not sure exactly what I missed. I'm on a beach right now in an undisclosed location. Um, yeah, i am uh, recently been describing myself as a crypto Dadaist. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm making some work that I think is pretty unique. Trying to start a, a little bit of a, of a movement in the NFT space. I don't know if you want me to like run through the actual stuff that I've been doing. But, you know, absolutely. So, cool. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I that I minted as an NFT just about a month ago was a, a single transparent pixel. Turns out that's been done before, um, but I you know started to weave a story through my subsequent pieces. Um, and By the way, your your sound sure. is kind of going in and out. Uh, oh, so, uh, you, you, sorry. 
No, that's not for, by the way, I love over here. This is, by the way, for anybody who does not follow Shlomes, this is his Twitter name. This is amazing. <laughs> look, look at all this. And because you really got to work for it. You When you go to his Twitter, you just see like white and you really got to work for it to scroll down to actually get right. to the content. I like that. That's so, like, so reading was, a, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was actually originally way longer. And every time I liked someone's tweet, would like completely spam their notifications page i eventually <laughs> some, damn, some damn fine twitter trolling not that i know anything yeah. about that yeah and sort of like a growth hack I, I eventually decided to go easy on people especially because like you know if i'm friends with them and liking multiple tweets of theirs per day it sort of brings twitter but it's a nice little growth hack for a week or two um yeah so i've sort of built a little brand around like just being chaotic and uh weird and well, yes so we really, uh, we really got to thank the Sumerians for uh, that test right. because that is, yes. yeah, it's the second longest uh, single Unicode character after this other one that I was using until apparently I learned that it's offensive to people in Arabic, so I had to stop using that one. This one just means the number eight in cuneiform, so I think that's pretty inoffensive. Interesting. Uh, and yeah. we have uh, we have Theo Goodman, an OG of the NFT scene. Theo, thank you so much for coming in, and I would love to get to you. But uh, also, first, I just wanted to make sure, John, does your sound work? All right, I, I wanted think I'm to back ask... in business. Excellent. So yeah. before we get to Theo, I wanted to touch back on that question that I had about uh, trust, about what happens at a super rare to form not only trust, but also this uh, relationship between the uh, client slash, uh, you know, Medici, potential Medici uh, patron and uh, the uh, artist. And what have you seen as far as certain success stories there? Um. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we kind of view, I like really what we want to do is like, look, in a world where anyone can go on Instagram, grab a picture, tokenize it, like we wanted to, you know, build a tool to support people who are actually making art. And so they kind of like, you know, do this rough curation around, you know, making sure people, they are who they say they are, that sort of thing. Um, but I think, you know, it's, uh, it's turned out to be pretty successful. I feel like, you know, there's sort of like a spectrum, like on the one hand, you kind of have like places like Rarible or OpenSea where you can sort of mint whatever you want. And I think those tools are awesome and useful. Um, and we kind of occupy like the other end of the spectrum, trying to provide like a, you know, trust or curation layer around uh, the content and the art on the website. And one of the uh, rising stars, and I think uh, you'll like this, Geo, is a uh, Hackatow who I remember back in the day when Super Rare was just like, uh, you know, in its wee infancy stages, it just had a couple of uh, artworks uh, listed there. And I remember Hakatao, he was uh, one of those people. And we have, uh, again, the lovely Eleonora Breezy, who is, uh, she is originally from Rome, by the way, Gio. She is Roman. And uh, she has been the producer of Ai Weiwei, of his artwork oh, and wow. she is also the uh producer slash manager of uh Hakatau. so if you haven't seen Hakatau, is a very famous uh italian artist you may have seen some of his uh stuff over here i think it's a team actually of people who do this but uh either way uh john you've probably noticed too like the rise of Hakatau. but at the same time i believe she told me that Hakatau was fam famous even before that within whatever scenes uh they were in so are there 
And the reason why I'm saying this is an entirely selfish reason. Because look, I saw that my thing got sold for 2k, and now I want to get back into it. What has been the experiences that you've seen of people who have risen up, if not to the fame of that guy who sold like his Buzz Lightyear or whatever, the guy who we were talking about, but people, let's say, more in the mid-tier who are relatively unknown? How, how have you seen certain transformations of their notoriety, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think some people have been super fortunate, like, uh, especially with just all like the recent attention that's been shifted on to NFTs. Um, so yeah, I certainly think you could probably sell your next NFT for uh, more than you sold your more most recent one. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think it's sort of like my opinion is that like art is like art is fun or like for me anyway like i think art's fun i think it's meditative to create art i like to look at art um i like to it's fun to talk about it's also fun to collect art right like it's i enjoy buying art for my friends uh but i also think that like broadly it's kind of hard to start doing right like you know lots of places you know it's like many people have had or who I've talked to anyway, have had like an awkward experience, like going to a gallery and the gallerist is sizing you up. And like, you know, it's not necessarily like the most friendly, easy thing to get into. And so I think what we're seeing with like NFTs and crypto art is that it's actually like, you can be on your couch at your computer where you're very comfortable and like start to dabble in art collecting. And it's just like a very fun thing to do. And so I think, you know, we're seeing a ton of you know, success for new artists and new creators who are kind of making connections with collectors all over. And so I think that's like, you know, some of the success, <laughs> nice. Uh, the success we're seeing is just like, uh, like a broad or, you know, like an expansion of like the collector base. And so I think like, you know, people have all sorts of interesting niche things that they're into and sort of like with this medium, people can be more than like the middle of the market or the long tail, but still manage to connect with each other. Like you don't need a data broker like Artnet to tell you what's happening in the market, right? You can kind of just look and see like, oh, this is how many NFTs this artist has created. Here's what they sell for. Um, so it's pretty easy to get started. And so I think that's like really helped, you know, people who are like new or emerging um, you know, kind of like connect with a collector base that's like hard to do in the existing contemporary market. I want to get to Jessica, but also I noticed that, uh, Adam, I believe you had your finger up. I'm not sure if that's just a gesture you like to do to praise Allah, but, uh, let me know if you have any, uh, well, okay. It's just on the, on the front of creating a direct digital pipeline to collectors. Uh, I think I have... My perspective on this is dual because on one hand, especially now with uh, the censoriousness uh, atmosphere that is largely being taken on by galleries, you know, a friend of mine got dropped by his gallery over the summer for just having some fun on the internet. There's all sorts of shit like that going on. And I guess it wouldn't be a bad thing to be able to basically whatever, circumvent galleries. But at the same time, the gallery space isn't just where the artist makes money, it's where they're canonized. And yes. if you're an artist that gets a serious education and wants, because it's really not just, a, 
if anybody wanted to just make money, they probably wouldn't be artists. And until you can create a space from which an artist can be respected and put in books and have their work written about and taken seriously, I don't know if I see this as like a viable way to really kind of circumvent the art world. What excites me about it is that it is basically making people flip the fuck out and exposing how fraudulent the whole market side of it is. But I think it's also the question of value. For example, Lev, um, <clears throat> when we were talking about uh, zombie formalism, you pointed to one painting and I actually recognized that one painting by what's his name? Uh, Oscar Murillo. And he actually yeah. won the Turner prize last year, but it's, it was like the one where like all four of them got it. But I thought he was the best one. He is actually a quality artist. I do like his work. Uh, but that goes to the question of value. It seems that a lot of the legacy institutions, I mean, the Turner Prize, let's face it, a lot of these art prizes are pretty much jokes. Like, come on. Like the <laughs> Pulitzer Prize, come on. Um, it, the thing is, it seems that it brings up again the question of value yeah. in terms of what yes. is legitimacy and what is the legacy, like Adam was saying, of the artists that are cropping up nowadays it seems that for the last i would say 10 15 years the trend has been cause obey um whom i think oh fuck banksy god please i don't want to say his <laughs> name but it seems the trend is the artist marketing executive the artist as marketing a force onto themselves that people like jeff coons did in some ways embody and perfect well i mean Jeff Koons, Thomas Kincaid, that yeah. type of art world, like schlock, in some ways is like the model of how a digital artist, for instance, can now go about selling their identity mm. through I mean, the internet. So you're not buying like a cause doll. I mean, you could buy a cause doll, but you're rather buying the brand signature yeah. of cause. Well, yeah, cause you even go back Jeff looking. Koons, uh, sorry. Yeah, cause was basically Jeff oh, Koons without the layer of self-awareness, which is, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jeff yeah. Koons yeah. knew what he was yeah. I just want to say Banksy's dope as fuck. That's my that's and my I know I know who oh. Banksy is, by the way. I know kick him out, Lev. Kick him out. <laughs> Take his mic away. Take his coat. By the way, I wanted to go I, I also want to go to Jessica, your thoughts on this, and then Theo. I think finally Theo's got the internet connection back on. But before that, I want to say I want to see a different Jeff Coons. I want to see a Jeff raccoons i want oh. to see a furry artist who yeah. creates giant inflatable animals out of plastic well and jeff puts coons those... did create giant inflatable animals actually, no 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 actually. i don't mean those animals i mean oh. like uh you know what i mean you're like you a fursuit I mean. well i mean like uh like fat nala you know like an inflated, oh god please an inflated stop. No, stop we're having a serious discussion please no <laughs> But I do wonder if oh, at a certain God. point, a lot oh. of these internet meme things that are going on, you know, like in the furry community and so forth, will eventually crawl back, crawl into the uh, mainstream. No furry community. <laughs> furry community. Uh, the, one, the one thing I will say about, about the kind of success of, of certain NFT artists is I feel like artists who have been engaging in a consistent practice for a long time who are not really you know they're not really in dialogue that much but they're just making quality beautiful things i think that sort of just like overall um overrides like any of these sort of trends you know like super rare you just did something with petra court right she's she's awesome right I, I think she's great. Um, I think there's I think a lot she's amazing. Yeah. yeah, she's she's awesome person too. So I, I do think 
I don't want to say it's like this totally unfair thing. Like I didn't mean to come like come out swinging right out of the gates, like super harsh on NFTs because in a lot of ways, I, I do think it is cool. Um, and I think it's also cool just how ETH is non fun is it's, it's numbered, it's non fungible in and of itself. So I think that there's so much that can be expanded with just non fungible tokens. And there can be so like there, we've, we've almost like just kind of like scratching the surface, I think, of what could potentially be done. Um, I, oh, am a- I, I saw a documentary yeah. about a little blurb about Patrick, Patrick court, right? Mm. He's very, uh, got the Joan Mitchell vibe going on. I like it. Yeah. It's my, it's my jam. So I, I want to make totally. sure we get to, uh, we get to Jessica. So Jessica, what, what do you, what do you think uh, about all this? Uh, and, uh, then we're going to go to, uh, uh, Theo go for it, Jessica. Pretty soon. So I'm just going to give you some thoughts just from the conversation that you guys are having here. Uh, you were talking about the corporate part of NFTs, uh, how and NBA and all these other ones um, are doing this. And uh, just judging from kind of like the environment, how it's changed since 2017 uh, to now, to seeing what is happening now, uh, I see a lot of sort of sad faces right now. And I kind of foresaw mm-hmm. that happening um, because there's this sort of utopia, there was this utopian vision of blockchain and NFTs to be the saviors of artists. And this is just gonna bring power to to the people. And I mean, it's beautiful. And yeah, maybe you can think of blockchain as something that could potentially do that, but you just cannot be blind about the fact that everybody can make use of it in the same form as artists or the NBA. So um, yeah, so I see kind of like bittersweet, a bittersweet sort of environment happening. So there's like, the sadness of okay, well, we have been the artists getting from the ground up, getting the NFT thing going on, and then someone else, like people who probably was not building the community from the get go, or others, uh, are just like basically taking the profits. You know, uh, it's like there's this funny meme that someone posted. It was uh, all the NFT artists fishing and put, putting their fish on a little bucket, and then someone else taking from the bucket, and then that someone else was people or or (laughs) others, you know? Uh, So that's kind of like the sad story behind it. Um, Another thing that I notice is like this um, kind of a frustration artists that are getting like, I started from the get-go, I'm not getting to the place these other people are getting to. And they're just like pushing, trying to sell, 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 sell. And it's like, oh, bids, 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 bids. So it's kind of almost annoying to go on Twitter right now and seeing artists is just like, price, 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 bids, bids, bids. And, and I feel like even the content itself of the art, and I come, I'm an artist, I come from like a philosophical background, like I see art as sort of visual thought. And for me, it is important that it has this cultural value and this intellectual value. And with NFTs, I'm seeing that that's sort of kind of being uh, relegated to you know the back burner in artist sort of practices. Um, so it's good. It's good. What um, Goose Goose was talking about. Gus yeah. was talking about. Yes, some of them are selling, and that's great. That they probably wouldn't have been able to sell their pieces otherwise. Uh, but I think we have to foster a culture that um, brings more of the. Um, you know, artistic value, the uh, intellectual background of art uh, over just the fact that you got to sell, 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 sell. And, you know, it's it's not a rat race. 
because that's what the art world is about and aren't we trying to build different systems or we're trying to build different paradigms and it seems to me like it's just like happening all over again and for that not to happen we just need to sort of focus on on where the value is Gio was talking about value and i was thinking what kind of value is he talking about is he talking about monetary value or is he talking about cultural value and I yeah. think maybe maybe we we can shift our attention to the cultural value when we make our art and and turn it into NFTs, um, and then if it sells for high amounts, then that that sort of, in my opinion, would be a given after you know mm. the value you give the art. Well, before before you go, Jessica, <laughs> I wanted to uh, address uh, Shlom's. He had his hand up, uh, and uh, it may be related to what you were talking about. And then I also wanted Lewis to relay what happened to us during the tea ceremony. Uh, but first, uh, Shlom's, go for it, my friend. Thanks, love. Hopefully you guys can hear me. Yeah, I, I fully agree with what Jessica is saying. Um, but an, an aspect of it that I think is maybe on a not optimistic note is that um, I think traditionally, like if you think about who the gatekeepers of like taste were um, and, and, you know, the people who were tasked with finding up and coming artists, um, they were maybe either not artists themselves or, you know, people who worked at these institutions and galleries and, you know, anyone who's, more entrenched in the traditional art world, let me know if that's incorrect. But um, what I've been experiencing in the NFT space is that really um, you, you do have, you know, sort of collectors uh, performing that function, but by and large, a lot of that is falling on the artists, right? So like I personally, aside from just like bidding on people's work, I've also been trying to, you know, find up and coming or up underrepresented artists. I've made like a little telegram channel for collectors where I just throw things in there that I think were cool. And I, th I think that's sort of how you get like, aside from just like the financial democratization of, of the art market, I think that's also how you get like the taste democratization, right? And like, that's how you get, um, you know, you, you find like these weird, weird new genres and, and new scenes um, because, you know, everyone can start their own scene. Um, and, and it's really, you know, the taste is being governed by the artists themselves, um, like lifting up smaller artists. I, I think it's pretty cool. Are you in the jungle with like a little monkey? Is that what yeah. I'm hearing in the background? <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Hopefully. Are you on safari? In my, my, my NFT bunker. Oh my god, man! But, but that I, I, was I, a great question that uh, that Jessica brought up because I feel like are NFTs going to uh, restore a sense of unique culture in terms of supporting artists that would express themselves or will it be another force of deculturation that will sort of break apart these unique subcultures and sort of pick them dry of their significance i mean that's always the question with everything any any sort of new development well, within art this is kind of why pepe the frog is so important because in a way his oh notoriety... that's a great example right? yeah. <laughs> well, his, his notoriety makes him a figure that cannot really be used by the mainstream and lewis this relates to what happened when the when we met so for those who don't know lewis and i we go back a long way we both attended the exact same tea ceremony and uh, we both had the same tea master. This is like a traditional Chinese ceremony. I highly recommend everybody, once this whole uh, COVID thing packs up its bags and leaves our uh, domain, for for us to uh, start going out again and for all of us to have a BTR official uh, <laughs> classic uh, Chinese tea ceremony. The teas are just beyond this world. One of them is named, uh, and I would love to try these one day. Lewis told me about them and I could believe them. One of these is named Horsemeat. 
because the tea is supposed to smell and like taste like horse. And <laughs> what's the other one, Lewis? Um, halfway up the sky goblin. Halfway up the sky goblin. There we go. So, Lewis, do you remember that incident that happened at the tea ceremony? I do. And I, yeah. I'd like to address that. But first, I have a question I'd like to ask Theo. Sure. Um, that is, what is an NFT? And as a follow-up, why is it important? Okay, cool. Well, uh, an NFT um, is a token. A cryptographic blockchain token. That's a real fancy word for it. And um, the picture uh, is a representation of the token, not the token representation of the picture. Because what are you? What do you send to someone? You send someone the token. What's kept track of? The token is kept track of. What do you buy? You actually buy the token. That's what you get. You exchange other cryptocurrency or whatever you want to exchange for this token. Now the token, you know, has something that goes with it, the picture, but you know, this is like the technical definition. So that, but actually uh, the token is the thing without the token, you don't have it. The token is the bare asset. So if you don't have the token, you don't have the NFT. So that's just like the general, hey, I can copy this argument that's going on is uh is basically if you don't have the token it doesn't matter if you can copy a jpeg if you don't have the actual physical painting of a physical painting it doesn't matter that you can take a picture of the painting and you could even make a replica of the painting or a counterfeit of the painting but you don't have the painting unless you have the painting you don't have the nft unless you have the token um the nft itself now as far as art is concerned now this go that goes for collectibles or art or um, it also goes for DeFi NFTs that represent liquidity tokens and all kinds of funky things like that. All, all of that applies to that. Now, as far as art is concerned, um, an art NFT is a total artwork. So that's a Gesamtkunstwerk. That means that um, the NFT and the picture are together full concept. They're not separate items. So you cannot separate, so they're not separate items because we shouldn't get hung up on saying, you know, this is the picture and this is the token and all this stuff. It's one thing uh, because if you separate them, you don't have the one thing. So that's what, um, that's basically how I describe, uh, explain what an NFT is. Um, and an NFT, the word NFT has become a lot broader over the years. So NFT used to be, strictly a one-of-one non-divisible um, but now over the years from different technical innovations and from just how things have evolved it applies to pretty much any art token uh collectible token um from almost any low issue token could be an nft now as far as just a general it's no longer a strict technical term anymore of a one of one or a particular contract or a particular chain. So that's what an NFT is. What's the other question? Um, why why does it matter? Like why is it important? Or why does it matter? Horizons open. 
Uh, it matters. Um, it matters in a real similar way, like as why Bitcoin matters or Ethereum matters, because um, it's a way. Uh, it's a digital bearer asset. So the concept of a bearer asset is the same thing as cash or gold or 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 physical or other physical objects, where the owner owns that object if they have it. So, so that's the same thing. If you see, um, I don't know if you know, uh, film Heat. This is a very oh, famous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my so oh, good. Nero together. So check this out. So check this out. Watch it again. Watch it again. What are they robbing? Okay. What do they rob? They're robbing. Specifically, even say exactly what they're robbing. They're robbing a van, and inside the van are bearer assets. I think they call them bearer stock or bearer, bearer bonds. That's what they are, bearer bonds, okay? And so these bearer bonds don't have names on them. It's a bond of an offshore company in the film. And they talk about it for one or two minutes. They mention them. Next time, watch it and check that out. This is a pre, pre-Bitcoin stuff. So what that, the reason they wanted that is because if you steal, so if so if you steal cash, cash weighs a lot, believe it or not, kind of heavy. You want like you know a few million in cash, kind of heavy. So you know in all those films, they're stealing diamonds, really tiny. It's also a bare asset. If the diamond, you own it. It doesn't have a name attached to it. Diamond is diamond. Okay, they're not exactly fungible. They're a little bit like NFTs. Like each diamond is individual. That's why they're so precious. Why people wanted them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the bearer, so the bearer bonds, same concept. It's a bond, kind of like a, it's a bond, but it was a, in the movie is a bond, uh, bonds of these offshore companies, and so and, and all these just little pieces of papers. You know, it was just like a stack of papers, and it's like a hundred million or two hundred million or five hundred million. So they just need to grab these papers and go, and then whoever has the paper owns it. Then you take that bearer bond and you go to the offshore entity. And you say, hey, I own this company now, essentially. And it doesn't, you don't have to do registrations or anything. It's just like Bitcoin. You just send it. So in the movie Heat, it's a good example of, of a bearer asset. NFT is the same thing. NFT is the same thing. It's a bearer bond. It's a diamond. It's a uh, gold nugget. Each gold nugget is unique. Each grain of sand is unique. So now we have unique objects um, that are digital. Now we had unique objects that are digital but we did not have their instrument is digital. And so now we have that. So now so you had that with Bitcoin. Now we have the ability to issue our own bearer assets permissionlessly. Like no one can stop me from creating my own NFT. I can create my own bearer asset and I don't have to ask anyone permission. So that's why it matters. Now people are, we're a lot of people on here, we're talking about art mostly, um, be used for almost anything, um, but yeah, that's so. That's why it's important in the in the real like basic fundamental sense. Um, it's also important because um, it really kind of hones into our inner ape. You know, our inner ape is like is, we like to collect things. You know, we inner like monkey. To collect, inner monkey, exactly. Inner monkey. So what I wrote recently is uh, I tried to explain that. In a way, so what happens in crypto is um, 
what's really interesting what's happening with nfts is that you, know, you have a lot of people understand sound money and they understand like hash power and um understand economic principles and all this kind of stuff now we got all this wacky stuff coming like we got you know, pepe supposed genesis got ETH NFT thing and you got like all kinds of artists and stuff and so now there's like a real interesting balance of value ideas coming out you don't only have one's type of value you have like lots of different kinds of values coming in the ecosystem so it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's I wouldn't say it's balanced but it's just like it's really important that there's different different kinds of value in and what I wanted to say is that probably when we fell from the trees and humans you know, probably had a stick as the first tool. I think it's debatable if it was a stone or a stick. But sticks don't really last long, so it's hard to find relics yeah. of stick tools. So they but, don't even break bones, right? But we don't know. But we don't know. Did the was the stick used for what I call um, a object value utility, which would be to hunt food? I need to eat. Or was it used to do a math equation? Or was it used to draw a picture? We don't know. We just know that we don't know. And so that's what we're doing. We have this tool and we're kind of like, well, what do we do with this thing? We have all these like tokens and coin and all this stuff. Okay, so what do we do with it? Well, we figured out we can do money. Um, and now we figured out we can do um, weird art stuff. So that's kind of like why it's important too. Maybe the monolith is coming down again. And so we yeah. learned to use the bone and the stick. Now we're going to learn to use NFTs. So exactly. yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great, you know, analogy. The, the monolith being like the blockchain. <laughs> the idea being that like anything can be assigned in an asset and that asset can be traded on a free market. And if people have demand for that asset, then it has value. So like anything, anything. And I think why it's like art is one of the first use cases of this type of thing blowing up because art itself and especially digital art is already like abstract, ephemeral, ephemeral, let's say like represented by bits, right? So the transfer of, of like information is very light compared to let's say creating an NFT of a house in like a real estate market. For an art market, a digital art market, the tokenization makes a whole lot of sense. And there's not that much infrastructure that needs to get built, let's say, relative to like many other use cases we'll see down the road, like homes, like different types of like social yeah. contracts. Sure, and mainly on the on, on cyberspace. Our our relationships on cyberspace are gonna be deeply transformed by this tool. Because mm -hmm. art is just like people that like to play around with stuff and they might be more or less successful or get more or less money for what they are doing. But I believe that, that this idea, like the, 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 the NFT at the end of the day is just a special kind of transaction on the blockchain, which we call tokens. And that I transaction is... Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you froze for a second. I thought you stopped. Uh, I might be the resident old man here, but um, so well, I think he he did freeze. But okay, uh, freeze. go on. So number one is uh, with the whole stick and stone metaphor. I mean, sure, we don't know which one we use first, but 
say we use the stick first, right? Well, what, the first thing we try to do is communicate because what comes in this chain first is word, right? And then from word comes image. Well, how do, how do we get image from trying to substantiate the word um, to ourselves a bit, all right? So that's a t- traditional image in a sense. And then from the traditional image, we, we get text. Um, well, how do we get text? Because we're trying to describe what the image does to us. Well, then what comes after text? That's the technical image, which is a rather new creation. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. the technical images come from us putting our hands on text and trying to work with it. So art has not always been made of bits in any sense. That's a really like kind of digital cybernetic washed view to have. And I'm not saying that negatively. I just think people younger than me would think that. But art has not always been made out of bits. Bits is data. Bits, bits don't have meaning. Right, you know, bits have transcended. They, they have meaning. Yeah, bits, but bits. I, I would argue that bits do have meaning in like a specific order that they're arranged. I, I would argue that that's not meaning. That number itself doesn't have meaning. It, it can represent meaning. It can explain meaning. It can substantiate but I meaning. I don't know though. I don't know because about. I'm, I'm thinking of a crazy idea, and if I was if I like knew about technology more, rather to actually do it, I could think about this. But think of. Um, an NFT artist doing series work, but it's really tokenizing experiences of bits of pieces of information on the internet. The way that, for example, you have, you know, found artists like Joseph Cornell, like when he takes things from his life and from like going to the dump or wherever back in the 50s, now he's putting it in these like little quaint boxes and arranging them. Now that becomes the work of art, right? Because it's got this sort of, you know, this sort of Proustian virtual memory time attached to it. Now, imagine if a digital artist could like NFT um, a series of findings from, I don't know, dead forums that still have the server on from Usenet posts, Uh, from 4chan, threads that go 404, right? Like, I mean, that is the, the data being imprinted with a sort of value of memory. The way that like, I don't know, people like my age, in their mid twenties were nostalgic over like fucking MSM messenger. Like right. what if someone saved the data from the, the, the conversation? And the one, that's yeah, NFT, the one so. thing that I think is interesting. Sorry to cut you off, Adam. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that I find interesting is because I used to make a lot of collages uh, using digital archives, digital images, mostly. JPEG. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I use them for illustrations on safety propaganda sometimes, but I don't show them in galleries anymore. But it was always a challenge to find out, to find ways to, and this is kind of why I'm both excited about this and skeptical. Because on one level, finding a way to display these things physically became in itself like a creative challenge. Like, could I present these sculpturally? Could I, would it be okay to just present them as a flat, you know, um, C-print, whatever? Or can I make them basically three dimension. Can I, can I print them on a three dimensional surface? I used to do all sorts of shit like that. <laughs> but it would be interesting if we could actually take uh, a digital collage just as the image on the website and have, you know, ascribe it value without that process. But I am curious if that would, is it going to be working as art in the same way. The way that I think about this, actually, any of you guys play Bloodborne? Of course. We're, we are all gamers here. 
<laughs> okay, so one of the very interesting things about Bloodborne, which is way fucking too hard for me, but it is a very fascinating game, is that it's supposed to be Lovecraftian. So you get these knowledge points. Um, and the I mean, knowledge points- You see point, things that aren't there. Yes, exactly. So like in Lovecraft, for instance, knowledge is bad. Like the closer you get to knowledge is the more cosmically horrific the universe actually is. So in the game, knowledge points don't make the game easier. They actually make it more frightening and, and in a sense, more difficult. But you can get the really dope outfits with these knowledge points. And that's kind of like the only reason to get them, which means that people are playing this game and they are ascribing real kind of aesthetic worth to these ephemeral digital images, these outfits that their characters get to play. Now, when I am curious and when I'm not sold on either way, is can a new, and this is always my interest, will a new aesthetic form emerge from the limitations of this medium itself? Or are we, are we gonna be talking about the transcendent value of aesthetics are we going to be talking about a new way to think of and create art or are we just going to be endlessly pontificating on data and is this of value etc cetera, etc cetera. if it can create a new way of engaging with aesthetics and a new way of creating and thinking about art then i have trouble making a case against it at this point well think of it i mean we already have the template with outsider art with art brut i mean think of the way um in, on the internet like for example i don't know why i'm bringing this up this is terrible but look at like lol cows on the internet right like look at people that like chris chan like like people that archive lol cows are usually schizophrenics that uh post throughout different forums different mediums different youtube channels like for example um what's his name the guy uh king cobra on on you know that guy he deletes his youtube channels periodically so there's people that save his videos and put them on different platforms yeah. and so it's like you're stitching together a life like chris chan is obviously the best example so what if an artist could like schizo post themselves throughout these different mediums but yet like the blockchain is something uh, in a way you know, when I talked about this, when I was doing paintings of memes, like Pepe or, or um, you know, Wojak, it's like a way of lifting um, something that is ephemeral and impermanent and lifting it into the sphere of permanence through the blockchain, for instance. In this case, I was painting, uh, uh, I did the Shrek Fedora one, my, you know, infamous one that's trolled atheist for three years now so it's like you know that is uh by the way love do you have the image should i throw it i up do have the image right over here oh, yes here's i will the, uh, here's the famous shrek fedora, shrek fedora modernist shrek fedora i feel like i feel like you and lewis <laughs> should uh sh should uh integrate because you guys have both done uh you know these uh paintings out of memes and uh you guys are both a really wonderful human beings in your own in your own ways. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, no, I do know about that. <laughs> maybe By I the should. Way, oh, I sold the original. I should NFT it. Maybe. You, you know who else are wonderful human beings? Uh, well, also Shlomes. I believe you had a question, but also you know who are wonderful human beings? The human beings who subscribe to BTR. So I see some newcomers <laughs> here. I know you came here from Jessica, from Gus, from uh, Lewis, from Theo. I know you're here, and you motherfuckers are not subscribing. So you better fix that right now. Subscribe right now to break the rules i cannot stress this enough we gotta grow and we will grow we're creating 
creating a movement. Help. We are creating a movement. I have I have an idea to increase your subscriber count, and I think also like do a live demonstration of NFTs. Go first. I'd like to address what Adam was talking about. Like, what is the what is the new aesthetic of the media? And the way that I see it, it's like it's like very accelerationist because uh, on one hand, I think like you give power back to artists and the power as maybe in the two base forms that I would think of it is like, you're giving capital back to artists. I mean, like artists are creators of aesthetic capital and NFTs are a technology that allow artists to like arbitrarily monetize on their own capital production and maybe even invent new ways to like capitalize on their own production, right? And then the other way is th thinking of networks. So like art as a network, art as a social community, like art being shared instantly, like why is people number one? It's like hyper shareable. Yes, like Donald Trump, like, you know, and Joe Biden, baby monsters, like horrible dystopia. There's like an incredibly instantaneous, like self-recognition that anyone can relate to, I think. And so it's like instantly spreadable. So like if someone will like share that like half of a millisecond faster than they would share some other art and then like people capitalizes on that, I think maybe that explains one I, way why he like rose to such prominence. That's actually that's actually really interesting because one of the things I think about when you're talking about these baby sort of figures, um, I feel like art is now as as adults kind of take the place as children, like they're sort of reverting to this like infantile ch uh, childish temporality where they engage in the world with this, you know, extremely clumsy way. I think that part of what makes, you know, it's like you go to Brooklyn, New York or something, and you have people collecting they're full grown adults and they're they're finding value in these things like cause dolls. And a, a, a big phenomena is like the adult ice cream uh, boutique ice cream truck so, or something so like cereal that. boutiques. No. Yes, yeah, it's sort yeah. of like cereal boutique stuff. Oh, but it, but it, but it's but it's like almost this sort of twisted, um, strange way of engaging with one's inner child. <laughs> yeah, but that, that so, can all change. I think it's just I kind yeah. of think what Lewis was talking about was just internet basically okay you know like like in a way you know what i mean like hyper acceleration and that kind of stuff internet's really fast people have short attention spans things move fast so if you're gonna have and like right now i guess you could say a lot of nft art is it's it, it, it it's basically based on internet because it's digital and you know blockchain whatever whatever and it's very internet so of course it's going to be anything that has to do with um uh, acceleration i think the i think it's just kind of like another canvas or whatever you want to call it another medium for artists to use and it might fit uh, some artists and it might not to others and it has so there's the whole thing with the time stamp in the blockchain is is uh yeah i think that that makes it something different than just something else i mean it's just an ind undisputable timestamp moment of history that uh you know you're putting into this digital stone tablet when you when you do the nft and when you send it so i think that's that's something that's different that we haven't had yeah i don't know i think i guess so that yeah definitely i think that can make a new aesthetic um 
if there's enough people that want to. Well, I think it, it's all, <laughs> yeah. it, it always been the case that this creates new aesthetics, right? I don't know how's my connection. I guess. Oh, good. It's better. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm just trying to think. I don't know what the. I don't think there's one NFT aesthetic anymore. Uh, I guess there was. I mean, there was some. There's. Oh, actually, there's this one thing. Add NFT generator. Have you seen it? It's really funny. And that's really making fun of like a lot of stuff going on. I have to find it in Telegram. It's called Bad NFT Generator, and and you and you you adjust some things like uh, spinning, uh, flashing, uh, and you can adjust the speed of it. And uh, like oh, 3D for no reason. Uh, you can press it, and then and it uh, and it uh, it makes this really funny uh, picture. I mean, we could make a whole collection just out of the bad NFT generator. Well, like photo, uh, like photo, photo mosh. Oh. oh, here I found it. Customize a couple of buttons, and then here here it is. It's funny, Grayson, Grayson Earl. This is the yeah. That's the bad. NFT aesthetic, or or I don't know if it's bad. Maybe it's not bad. I guess that really, I guess this really eye, eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, it's but it's it's funny. It it hits home, and it's funny because it's it's kind of like or photo mosh or whatever. You know, if some artists want to make twenty five pieces of of this style of this like crash art or whatever. Oh, Here, I, j I just they made can. one. Here it's like go. those MLG yeah. um, <laughs> compilation edits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess this but is it, the one aesthetic, and it's definitely there, and it's not my favorite or whatever, but I kind of like some of it for what it is because it's kind of trashy. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess that's one aesthetic, but there's a lot of other aesthetics. There's the like, ooh, a minimal. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's the like trash, the trash. one of this. It's like just this. Not this is too much. It's way too much. Just one round one. Well, here's one of my it, favorite or, or, aesthetics. Yeah. One of my favorite aesthetics that I wanted to share with you, uh, besides Geo's and my own, is my father's. So this is a piece that he did digitally, and he is like an artist who comes from, you know, the old school Soviet Union you know, in terms of uh, art, oh, cool. art aesthetics. And uh, it is a uh, rodent eats. So it's like an Uber eats, like a little mouse delivering uh, to the squirrel. And there's like a heart-shaped sign that says, go away. And uh, this is the kind of stuff that my dad does digitally. And uh, his work mm -hmm. is being uh, sold right now. So I'm really thankful for that. And you can find it over here above on uh, superair.com slash Alex Poliakov. That is what where you go. I'm shilling for my father because I love the hell out of him. And also, if you become a patron, by the way, by the fucking way, hold up, hold your horses. Patreon.com slash break the rules. If you become a patron today for all the new people, for all the high rollers who are watching this right now, all the NFT high rollers. If you become a patron of break the rules, $5 is going to... Oh, I see a message from Barrett. He has to leave uh, shortly. So Barrett... Oh, I think he's already left. So Barrett, I just want to thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you. And uh, when it comes to patreon.com slash break the rules, if you become a $5 patron, you are going to get access to our uh, Discord servers, uh, private rooms, as okay. well as becoming a percolator, having the ability as a percolator to post images on the uh, BTR chat that you see over here. Lovely chat. We all love it's... the chat, don't we? We have to trust yeah. you, though, because we've had uh, problems with... Uh... 
People posting okay. certain images. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You get to be in the VIP chat. Uh, guys, <laughs> we're going to sign off. We're going to go uh, cool. have dinner and watch uh, the true uh, the QAnon doc. But uh, thanks for having us you... cool. talk to Thank soon. you, boys. Uh, uh, I, I, I got to run, too. It's been a pleasure. One, one it of has the things that pleasure, I would like Gus. to say. Yes. One, one, just one go of ahead, the things that on, I would Gus. like to say before, before leaving is that uh, my advice is to focus on the fun part of this. Because I remember... Uh, a few years back, someone said like, Bitcoin meetups are kind of getting boring, but crypto art is where the fun is. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's true. I mean, definitely the space is never boring. So, I mean, there's something interesting that is gonna get out of all this, but my advice is like, just, just have fun doing these things and trying yeah. to propagate them on the internet. And, and, uh, and Gus, Right now, money. right now you're in Argentina, and uh, you were originally in uh, Mexico, right? Uh, no, no, no. I'm in Mexico City right now. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stay here for for for, uh, for a few months. But I might see you guys in Miami soon. I was supposed to go this Friday, but then I think the lockdown started started getting like a little bit tougher. I don't know, but I'm definitely gonna be in June because there's Bitcoin 2021. Well, I definitely hope to see you and please come back to New York. And uh, Adam, yeah. thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate every everybody everybody being here. Barrett, thank you so much. And uh, we are well. We are not at the end yet because Verse Laloon still has to come here. He is, I believe, still on his way. This would not be an NFT stream without Verse Laloon. Now we are gonna try. I have no idea what time the guy is coming. We are gonna try to make it so. But first, I wanted to go back to Lewis Parker about the Pepe story. But before the Pepe story, I also want to go back to Patreon because I'm not finished yet. That's $5 patronage. For $20 patronage, you are going to get a uh, wooden magnet created by my father, Alexander. You saw his artwork. You saw how fucking brilliant he is. Right now, he is working on uh, a definitely legit piece who is a a person within our community here. Definitely legit. And uh, it's a, a collie dog, you know, like Lassie. And uh, he is also working on an inflatable lioness. So that is also in production right now. Oh, <laughs> and uh, and that's $20. $30, you're going to get a beautiful print from Gio Panichetti. And uh, it is an exquisite print from the TFW No GF series here watching him in action. This is how he does it. It is quite beautiful, very beautiful. And finally, $50 patronage gives you all of the above, plus a custom wooden print, plus another beautiful painting from the great Giovanni Panicchietti, plus, and I saw them recently, they're really beautiful looking, the um, uh, painting that Jules did of the uh, action figures from that game with the swords and the shields. and <laughs> Warhammer 40 <laughs> Warhammer 40k. Thank you, Geo. And uh, yeah, so that that is it for the patronage. Once again, patreon.com slash... Yes. Oh, sorry. Finish your hook. Patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today. You got to invest in us, guys, because this way we can grow and we can keep keep having these conversations where we bring people together. Like always, we love the fuck out of all of you, especially if you become patrons. So uh, anyway, Lewis... I want so, you to talk wait, a little what? bit. Yes. I want why, you to talk about that story. Why don't you tokenize yes. your podcast? Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say, yeah, I like I like Patreon and I and I totally think people should do it. And I just was wondering if uh 
this one guy is doing a nitrous balloon while we're watching. I'm not doing like, a nitrous balloon. Ewan is a resident performance artist. I saw you preparing this balloon. I thought, are you doing a nitrous balloon no, on no, the stream? No. Okay. And then uh, that would be funny. And then um, I don't think I've ever been on a live stream with like, someone, one of the panelists doing a nitrous balloon. But, uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's the kind of thing that happens in the VIP room. If you sign up for Break yes. the Rules, you can see people do, you know, you can request that. No, I think you should do, I did one time, um, and I should probably do it again. Um, and I sold it way before the mega hype, uh, and a friend of mine bought it. But I just did an NFT with unlockable content, and I'm just reading the first paragraph of one of my blog posts, the unlockable content. So what you could do, like... Yeah, you could you could tokenize the whole YouTube video theoretically, or or do some like funky thing like that, and people can just collect, you know, your your video NFTs of you reading some of your texts or something like that. Yeah. I, oh I think damn! I can offer an NFT to like every person who's on the show. So like you would also accumulate them over time, and your guests will accumulate them. Like trading then, cards. The yeah. various <laughs> members of the Patreon. They can also get access to like some NFT. Perhaps there's or, a or they can become NFT an NFT for every show. They can there, become there a special patron. There are self NFT. people that sell selfies as NFTs. I think you could start with anything. I think even for the first one, it could be this show has an NFT <laughs> with no art. You know, we're just going to start very uh, basic. Then maybe the next ones can have art. This one maybe will be more yeah. conceptual. Well, the, th the thumbnails are the art. Like we have uh, oh, yeah. custom so thumbnails you, that I create tokenize, for every. Tokenize the thumbnails of every show, and you have Hell like yeah. this limited edition collector's item there that you your yeah, audience got... and your guests and you will all participate in. And then I think like over time, people start collecting these things, trading these things, desiring these things because they're scarce. As time moves on, like everyone involved in the whole. Levin Jewels community starts to really get mm. like a, a visceral understanding of what this digital ownership entails. Now there, the, there uh, are also tools. Oh, sorry, the, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say there. First of all, I'm, I'm out of the undisclosed location, so you should be able to hear me better. Um, there are tools that can like integrate with Discord and verify a person's ownership of a certain amount of coins. So what you can do is launch Break the Rules coin, um, and then. You know, people with 50 Break the Rules coins get access to like a certain tier of your Discord. Um, and then, you know, you have your secretive hangouts there. And then 150 Break the Rules coins is like, you know, super elite. Um, super elite cool grooming stuff around that. Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, get ahead of that, the competition. Launch your own NFT. Yeah, no, that is a great idea. It, sh it, it shall be done. There are a lot of great ideas here. So, uh, Lewis, I want to go to Mr. Sue's comment. Mr. Sue is not here right now. I'm going to send him an invite, by the way, because he said he couldn't make it, but I'm going to try anyway. Mr. Sue had a criticism about NFT. So people were talking about, where's the NFT criticism? There was NFT criticism in the beginning of it, and uh, here was his NFT criticism, just in case I'm sending this to him. But anyway, here it is. <clears throat> and I'll... Uh, Please subscribe, everybody. Anyway, uh, there is opportunity here for sure. 
it's more just a moral thing of understanding what exactly you're doing and dealing with the consequences like being shunned. I don't think it's all that bad for artists getting their start here and moving over something like NFTs on top of Bitcoin. Again, like he's very focused, uh, Mr. Sue is very focused on Bitcoin primarily. Anyway, uh, the thing is, Bitcoin isn't ready for that yet and the incentives aren't there. If I want to issue something to my fans, or even a rich whale trying to pump his Ethereum bag, I'd prefer it be built on something long-lasting and stable like Bitcoin. Just like the ICO craze of 2017, this is, a this is a fad that those in the know take advantage of to wreck the uneducated. It may work well for some more than others, and it's a good way to get a head start in publishing your art, but it's also just another tactic used to legitimize the value of Ethereum. However, each buyer should do their homework on what they're buying. It's their responsibility. They don't have to, though. Value is subjective, and people are going to be people. I'm not against making money and sympathize with the artist but the fact is that it's not a token issue it's a platform issue a decentralized patreon can and will be made it's just not the right time for it yet there's more from jimmy in ethereum on his medium post if you just google him he's a coder in bitcoin and knows how these things really work just my two fiat cents hopes that helps uh so there we go that is um and here is the article that he is uh, linking to. I'm going to link it uh, uh, in the chat as well. So, Theo, you've been a long time in this whole thing, uh, as was Lewis. Uh, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> My son. Fuck you, you do that. This, we're going to have to, we are going to have to tokenize this. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. This is like, we could. So this, is the, this, is, this is a tokenized dude stream. It's yes. like the NFT dude's dream where this guy, you know, got people talking about furries and <laughs> I don't know, like some, yeah. there's a guy like doing a nitrous balloon and then <laughs> thing. <laughs> wait, wait, by the way, Theo, uh, even though, even though I want you to uh, uh, give what's your the question again, or a... what was the comment? It was okay, like uh, NFTs, okay. it's, it's about NFT Bitcoin platform. It's like, from what I take it, there's, it's like, you know, a, a Bitcoin maximalist approach to like the infrastructure isn't ready yet for this type of stuff, which I think is like way beyond the scope of this conversation. I, at least I would just say that like, you know, maybe there's, you know, some good points to be had on either side of like the Bitcoin, Ethereum, alt chain conversation. But I think for the sake of like NFTs and like artists out there looking to mint NFTs or content creators, like the technology is like available for you to do so. The, and like the majority of these people aren't like can currently like thinking about the rails of like the tech stack and Bitcoin versus Ethereum or whatever. Is that really the question? Well, I'm trying to find it in the, is it in YouTube, the question? Uh, no, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to paste the question over here okay. for you to uh, read it again. And I know, Lewis, you yeah. got to go soon, brother, but I would be a miss a remus uh shout out to remus if i did not uh go through uh that story with you and that would be like the last thing so we were at the tea house uh can you can you tell the story what okay. happened with us and the lady oh well we met lev at this tea house i i took a look at him and i was like you probably know what blockchain is and turns out we were in the same like crypto art telegram group and then there was like, we started talking about like the rare Pepe's and, you know, whatever else was like being tokenized. Right. And um, then 
this lady next to us got like really angry. She was like, Pepe is like a hate symbol. And we we're trying to explain like, oh, not, not really. And people try to take it a different way. But yeah, she got like really angry. And then this like old 80 year old tea master kind of uh, like told everyone to shut up. All right, I got to drop. Thanks for having All me. All right. He had a beard and everything, that tea master. So, Lewis, thank you so much for coming in, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I don't so know if I have to call what, they, what do they mean by the platform mystery? They mean like a which blockchain? I mean, for our Jimmy in Ethereum on his Medium post, okay. Well, yeah, he's a coder in Bitcoin and knows how things really work. Well, I don't know what you mean, really. I mean, what's more on Bitcoin and its importance? Yeah, that's important. I mean, you can do NFTs on Bitcoin. I'm not really sure what the issue is, actually. Well, that's what I want to figure out, too. I mean, uh, to uh, read his comments over here, he says uh, uh, that it's, well, it's about more of the platform. He does not trust Ethereum as a platform, which is why he says that it's a um, okay. not a token you, issue. It's a platform issue. Then you can use tokens on Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, but let's see what exactly his, because uh, this guy over here, Jimmy, he uses the word bribe. So why exactly? Okay, so um, in a sense, the issuers have been bought by the NFT sale to work on behalf of the altcoin. In other words, these NFTs are bribes. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, uh, it's a little convoluted. Okay. I mean, he's saying, it's basically like saying if you use, if you're using the network and, you know, you're, you've been brought, the, and so the people that buy the NFT, they have an interest that that network survives and that that network thrives, which makes sense, right? Have an economic incentive and a collectible incentive or, or whatever to, to do that. So that's basically what he's describing. You know, he calls it a bribe. It's not a bribe because they have free will, use their free will to buy it. I don't think that would necessarily be a bribe. He's saying that Ethereum bribed them into buying an NFT doesn't really fit a bribe in my opinion but i think what he's describing is just network effect and he's correct in some ways you know the more people users you have that's what's interesting about um about this whole thing nfts are a ponzi like most cryptocurrencies yeah man yes totally that's why you should buy theos uh, it's on the bitcoin blockchain as a token theos uh, there's only 999 they're not divisible if you want to buy into my ponzi you can send me a dm and i'll hook you up uh Here's this. Uh, here's your Twitter. So guys, contact. Uh, yeah, Theo sure. It's board. a real thing. It's a real thing. It's part of the. Uh, <laughs> it's part of the um, game Bitcoin, which you can look at bitcoins.com, corns, um, and uh, which is an idle game. And uh, my, my uh, I have an incestuous relationship with NFT buyers. Well, that's about with any any product. You know, any shampoo creators. The incestuous relationship with NFT with shampoo buyers, in in a way, you think? I think so. You know, they, uh, it's it's not. I don't know how that's separate or, or or exclusive to NFTs, and it's definitely not true for all NFTs. So I think that that's just the. You get a lot of these comments. This guy is playing with the. You can make a balloon. <laughs> and a, you got to pop just, it though. You got to yeah. pop it. <laughs> this is true. It's full of water. <laughs> It's just yeah, true for uh, <laughs> it's just true for anything, you know. That the more people that use it, 
Okay, that was right. that was anticlimactic. My apologies, yeah. Theo. I really Very wanted to pop that. Okay. No, no, it's okay. I'm just saying that. Yeah, the more, of course, the more people that use that network, the more valuable it is. It also kind of plays into the. Um, we can just unpack another argument that's been going around, and that's that uh, NFTs are destroying the planet um, environmentally, which is an interesting uh, issue. What? Well, the, there yeah, was yeah. that buying of the uh, the PC gamers yeah. are really upset right now, right? Because uh, a lot of these new edition, uh, what's it called? Oh, shit, Versus here. So actually, Verse could kind of speak to this as well. How are so, NFTs uh, destroying the environment? Yeah, there, There's been several articles and there's even been people, some, some platform was pressured into not adopting NFTs to their platform because people like shit posted them or whatever to not add them because it's bad for the environment or something it's the oh, same God. it's the same argument it's the same argument as cryptocurrency is bad for the environment except it's because as nfts are there's a lot of money floating around people are extra butthurt about it i think and so it's just amplified and then um what people don't realize on top of that i was i was talking to someone the other day i was like so you have to think okay yeah it uses a lot of energy but places i mean just like cryptocurrency in general you're you're getting rid of you know you're displacing banking and nation state and it doesn't matter what your ideology even just even if it's just a little bit you know it's that that reduces a lot of energy and then if you do art stuff on top of it it's the same network so you see what i mean so you have even more utility in one so that's kind of like a bonus on top but i don't think it i think the whole environmental argument is mm pretty bunky and it gets clicks so hey if your hustle is to get clicks it's like the old uh, buzzfeed jezebel type of articles like you know clickbait yes this is uh yeah (laughs) well now that uh now that versa luna's here uh verse you were having conversations with people uh from what i read on twitter about nfts about blockchain this week and uh You've been. Uh, does Verse by... know about the guests that we're gonna have on next week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I do know about that guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mortal enemy. <laughs> oh boy, it'll be uh, it'll be quite an intergender. Mm. There actually was an intergender death match. June Kasai wrestled. I think Lo Shirari, believe it or not, fucking owned her. By the way, but that's. I mean, it's a death match. What do you want? But <laughs> yes, I would gladly get in a death match with this particular and, guest. <laughs> well, we already announced announced it, so I might as well announce it one more time for those who don't know. We are going to have Ayla Girl coming in this Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, 3 o'clock, we are going to have uh, – no, sorry, 5 o'clock. She's coming in at 5 o'clock. 3 o'clock, we're going to have Grit Cult coming in for uh, uh, sewing discourse. Homie. Yeah, so there we go. But uh, Verse, so you've been having conversations with people about NFTs. What is your opinion of it, and how have you been? Um, how have people reacted to speaking to you about all these things recently? Uh, my opinion, uh, it's just a, so when crypto first kind of became like in, I said in the 2017 bull wave. Or you're a little bit quiet. Um, I, oh, like, uh, can you hear me right now? I yeah. didn't get a chance to test the the mic and stuff. Um, before, um, in the 2017 bull wave, um, I did some a lot of writing about crypto, and I still sometimes do. But uh, I had a whole article, which is now lost to the internet, uh, about how I th- how the conversation about Bitcoin being 
the internet of money was a little bit misguided in not so much in Bitcoin specifically, but in blockchain more broadly. And I was saying that in reality, it's really the transfer of property between two parties online. Um, and that's and it really is the internet of property value transfer um, and property being in the abstract, like any object that's online. So media or um, even like deeds to households and what have you. NFTs allow for the more for the abstraction of this like transaction on on uh, on the blockchain type of thing to occur right so right now it's you know kind of fun to auction off digital art that is worth millions for no reason that's pretty fun and you know we get like people can like embezzle money or whatever but in reality what's happening is it's the first wave of of taking objects that are not simply financial transactions and just taking more broadly media and just objects in general like i can in theory, make an NFT of that deed to a house and I can transfer that to you or and people can auction it like you with a house or a car or whatever. Like this is the first wave of that. It's also going to help with like um, pro digital property rights for like masters for music, right? Like a lot, there's a lot of, there's always arguments about who owns the digital rights to whatever person's song. Th things like this can be NFT, like turning into a non-fungible token and maneuvered online or transferred or whatever online. And there would be a, a track record of all the transactions like any other blockchain technology. So I think it's good. And what was the other question? The other question is how did most people react to you talking about this? Like what is the opinion in the normie sphere of a lot of this stuff right now? <laughs> in the normie sphere? I don't really have that many normie friends. But in the normie <laughs> sphere more broadly, uh, <laughs> they're, they're either think it's a scam or they think it's kind of like, or they're just like, I don't understand it. It's 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 a lot of either I don't understand it, it's, or it's a scam, or it's bad for the environment. That's usually all I hear. Um, and everyone else is like, everyone else who does understand it is like, oh, this is a fun, this is probably a scam, but it also could not, like, a lot of these like, NFTs <laughs> yeah. are going to be scam, but it's cool. You can make money off the scam. So it's like, you know, whatever. How many people Bounces do you out. think are uh, using their uh, Biden bucks uh, for uh, a lot of this stuff right now? Uh, this particular wave, I actually think went into like trips to Miami for spring break, but the previous waves like <laughs> definitely went into blocking. Biden bucks. Biden bucks. Are still, I wonder if uh, we can I use NFT. my Biden bucks for crypto. That's what, that's what I use it for every time. I wonder if there's like still Obama phones you could like sell. I mean, on eBay or <laughs> make that into an NFT as well. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to read this thing about how NFTs hurt the environment. Yes. But it's like, I mean, I they kind of do, but I don't really care. But well, like, how the do they hurt the it's environment? It's computer processing. It's uh, oh, you have all these it's different... like it's like it's like Bitcoin mining. It's like the yes, same. That's what's we need like a fucking room full mean, of servers and shit. That, and also, the, well, it's all... you mean like the three D rendering and all that stuff, or just the oh, yeah. cryptocurrency no, no, the actual, part of it? The actual block mining is what's theoretically hurting the environment. That's what they're upset about. So they're they're basically mm. taking when they do these calculations, what they're doing is they're taking all of the the collective energy expenditure for mining and like um, confirming blocks and like for like confirming doing all the, the mining rewards for the gas prices and stuff like that. They're taking all that into account, which isn't really fair because that stuff happens automatically. And it's also like done deliberately. Right. So it's not like it's actually hurting the environment directly. Like the reason why all this processing is occurring is because it uses entropy um, it, it basically it creates yeah. uh, in a, the you can't fake the transactions because they're using therm, like the law, second law of thermodynamics and entropy and whatever to, to make it so that you can't undo the, the chaos before the next block happens. They, they like 
it's too complex to undo before we get to the next block. That's that's the yeah. whole point of it. There's also another uh, part that people um, in the articles are not talking about. Is there's okay, put the balloon down. Enough, thanks. Uh, oh me? No, this guy. Oh my god! You can have your attention. We you can get your attention somehow. Besides, to I wanted to say something important. Um, right. I wanted to say that uh, what tap what happens at least in Bitcoin mining, but I'm sure it's for Ethereum too, because there's also farms. Is that the research was about Bitcoin mining? There's been several research, and it tends to happen a lot in countries where electricity is cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, that, okay. Oh, there you go. Hold on. Yeah. No, but wait, hold on. No, but it's but that's not bad necessarily. Approximately like around 70% of um energy used to mine Bitcoin, they estimate is is from renewables. But that oh. will include that will include hydroelectric, a geothermal, um I don't think there's a lot of solar because the way solar is, it's not the right kind of power, really. You know, you need this like super mega power, um, probably wind some too. There's like, so it's huge in Iceland, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Scandinavia also. And that's also exactly. really good. That's also really good for cooling because you need to cool the mining too. Now it's also in China. Um, in China also, a lot of that is just like corruption a little bit like, hey, I got some yeah, let's do a deal. It could be some free electricity. Yeah, so that's power, yeah. so that's so that's not uh, like renewable or, or green, really. And there are a lot of fucked up things that happen. But but the whole but the whole thing because it's decentral. When they compare it to like banking system uses this much energy or credit cards use this much energy, but they can't really move to new power sources as easily as um the infrastructure as as mining because okay the mining farm day it's it's you know, the mining farms need time to set up and all that stuff mm-hmm. let's say like there was a new energy source that was efficient because in general the more efficient energy that's renewable is going to be a little bit cheaper in general mm-hmm. so they could move to somewhere where it is now cheaper or it's better and the, and the network would be fine so it's way more flexible uh, to get this so there's there's just in general a you know move to it does use a lot of energy but it also uses a lot of energy that's renewable and it's way more flexible to use renewable energy in the future uh, I think that's a- yes and no i mean here's the problem like i want to like i think going down that train of thought is just not going to work because they're going to it's they're always going to move the goalposts to begin with and also there's a very creative <laughs> there's a very clever book from 2018 uh, that you know called bitcoin for blockheads don't worry about who the author is and um <laughs> in this book, in, <laughs> oh, in this, book <laughs> this person uh this person did the math on uh bitcoin back in 2018 when the price was six thousand dollars on electricity costs for mining and it's pretty much infeasible unless you're basically a billionaire um yeah. and at the time in 2018 if you lived in countries like Trinidad or Venezuela, Venezuela was, of course, having the um, its financial crisis. So it, there, its money was worth nothing and electricity was very cheap. Those are kind of the only places where you could really do any mining. Like here, I did the math. So it was like or he did the math. Um, so it was like 18. Oh. It was like eight thousand dollars worth of, of electricity to mine a six thousand dollar Bitcoin back in 2018. Oh, now, there's shit. been multiple there's been multiple having. Well, there's been a having since then. 
So you get le- fewer block rewards and it requires more complexity to mine. Whereas like in South Korea, um, it costs $25,000 to mine a $6,000 Bitcoin or and in Venezuela at the time, it cost $500, right? So that's in 2018. Bitcoin is now about $50,000 to $60,000. So you can imagine how much more difficult it is. But, not but nobody mines the, their own coins, right? I mean, maybe people- No, you used to be able to just mine your own coins. Like you used mm. to just be able to open your laptop. Like I used to have a Bitcoin miner in my browser that is now basically functionally useless because you can't even compete any longer. Mm. Um, so you have to so, go to like companies or wherever, like trading- yeah, uh, So. So yeah, well there are miners, but they're mining. They're huge mining operations. It's just the yeah, same like, thing. The same thing is just like opening they a factory. They have sor- servers and everything. Server. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's basically like a, like a thing. massive mining uh, farm with state-of-the-art cooling and stuff like that. And yeah, they're in countries with cheap electricity or they're cold countries that are very very cold. Like he said, before, they need the, uh, yeah. the, the the cooling and stuff like that. You but know, where, you know what's funny? A weird sort of activism. This was like. I, I guess, you know, as, as culturally dead as the 2010s are, that did produce a lot, some great things. I remember, and you could say that this is like a real instance of internet activism. There was a case where in Utah, I think it was Utah or Arizona, it was Utah, where the NSA was going to put their new like spying network grid in like the middle of nowhere next to a falls because they needed the water. And there were people like Alex Jones that advertised petitions to basically get the state of Utah to shut off the water to the NSA. And it didn't work though. I think people like millions of people signed this petition, but of course, you know, the government didn't work out, but it it was like a weird example of how physical infrastructure can still like somewhat impact the internet or the ability of power or corporations or while like implying Mm -hmm. this difference. Um, the ability of like either corporate or government power to like basically influence different things. The internet is still susceptible somewhat to uh, these more like physical real world, not real world, but like the internet is real life nowadays, but more like physical pressures of just like location. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah. That definitely has an effect. And also just the other point with um, like the physical, you know, issues with the mining, um, you know, other than the mining being centralized, there's also like if we move to like, I don't renew, I don't believe renewable sources are really strong enough for the most part to really like to p- keep pace. Right. Like and I and I think this things like crypto and other stuff are going to be, I think, a lot of like the pressure to push countries to nuclear power, um, which is actually in reality the green source of energy. But, you know, people don't like to hear that. But it's, it's demon quote, energy versus it's demon what's, energy. Uh, what's Germany's <laughs> stance on that? Because I know Theo, you still live in Germany, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, they use a lot of nuclear, but they've said yeah. like uh, thirty or I think about thirty years ago, the Greens power and tried to say we're going to get out of nuclear, but that never worked. And plus, mm-hmm. uh, just import nuclear crop from across the border in France. In France they have shit, yeah, shit. yeah. They, they like have nuclear every. They like yeah. just go full nuclear there. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. Germany has a lot of uh, it has a lot of nuclear, right? Doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. But they have closed some. It's because they become controversial because they're kind of old. Oh, okay. Yeah, the older oh, ones yeah. you get rid of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just don't but, uh, be stupid. You can and just next to the ocean, right? Like in the Fukushima. It's, it's not. It's not. It's so. In some ways, it's kind of like what you described with mining. It's not feasible. Germany is the number one exporter in the world. It's not possible to just like turn off power. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, we're going to use wind now. Yeah, there's a lot of wind, but it's not enough. There's mm-hmm. enough for maybe you know, to charge your phones for everyone. But it's not Where really, does most you know. Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining get done? China. I th- China? China, China mm-hmm. is still number yeah, one, Bit- I think. Bitmain. Bitmain, I'm pretty sure, is the biggest. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's also um, new operations in like Georgia, not US Georgia, the country Georgia. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think maybe Ukraine, I'm not sure. And uh, Iceland is big, sometimes Scandinavia. Sure, Canada, sure Canada. Canada yeah. is pretty oh, big. Oh, that's cold. right. Yes, we, yeah, oh, I know some people yeah. who are kind of involved in that. No, no, I've heard of people like buying old. Uh, um, hydroelectric things and stuff like that from cities yeah. and just like mm-hmm. connecting it to their whole thing. That's how they, you gotta think that's, that's not some like, you know, bedroom operation. This is like some serious stuff. I actually so, remember back in 2015 or 16, it was leading up to the Trump election. So I don't know if it was 15 or 16, but I remember hearing this story and I want to say it was in, I'm going to say Germany, but I don't think it was officially Germany. It could have been, it was a country that's very, it was a Euro country with um, advanced CCTV. So, because so, the whole point was they used, they hacked all of the CCTV and they did Bitcoin mining, no, Doge mining and Litecoin mining on the CCTV. So, like, the hackers yeah. got into all the cameras. Holy and, shit. And they, and they used each of the cameras, hard drives, as, like, a decentralized miner. Yeah, there that was, was a really big story. It was cool. Yeah, there were several uh, stories like that, actually. There was... Um, there was a hack. Monero was like really popular to use like mm-hmm. that because yep, you yeah. have to use like CPU. You can't really, there's no ASIC for it. And it's, you know, they did the algorithm really annoyingly. So you have to use CPU. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I think they also hacked into like, um, like uh, digital TV receivers and DVD players and things like that. They were able to, you know, they, mm. they connect because nowadays well, connect to the internet too. And they were able to just run, but they did it on so many thousands of them that it was like quite successful, their little hack. I, get, I think they even just did it from going into stores and hacking the firmware in the yeah, store. Yeah, you remember, you know like, I mean? there were like, websites well, that would hack Germany your computer. Has- Germany has like the biggest hacker festival in the world. Or do they still have it now? Uh, what's was it called? Yeah, sure. But it was, yeah. Yeah, in Leipzig. Yeah, yeah. Leipzig, yeah. Chaos, Chaos Computer. Uh, yeah, so there's definitely that. I mean, yeah, that's motivation. I think, yeah, sure. It's, it's, we don't know if it's going to be able to keep up, like renewables are going to be able to keep up. But the thing is, is that, you know, miners are always going to look for the cheapest. And that mm-hmm. tends to be, renewables is definitely going to be a part of that. And I just think, I, I, th- I think I'm not saying that mining is green. I'm just saying the arguments that are usually put forward are really bad. Yeah. They're not represented in like a way where it's like, let's compare how much the banking system you also on those charts. I saw some charts gaming, huge amount of electricity. Mm-hmm. They don't make yeah, it. The they, servers. Don't, they don't use any, and they're not, and they're, and they, no one, I guess there are people complaining about it, but, you know, there's no one's, but they're not, you know, like, um, you know, making a new infrastructure for money where we don't have to use banks and all this stuff. They're just, people are just zapping each other online. Never, I mean, I feel like, like the yeah. argument is moot when you consider that they're on Twitter complaining about it. 
which definitely, yeah. has, definitely yeah, uses the more electricity. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the internet yeah. server farms for all these social media companies definitely use more electricity. Well, imagine than... like the bit rate it requires to run YouTube every single day. Yeah. And like the vast yeah. infrastructure it takes, like yeah. the, like for example, like a, a, like a, like a literally like an hour long video takes like what 20 minutes sometimes to just upload onto youtube like it's and, and today we had two videos today yeah, was our marathon stream so <laughs> think of all the damage this is causing but even, right now that's another thing too about like i get the concept of like <laughs> the per <laughs> like the permanency of it like for example odyssey like i opened up an odyssey account just for to archive my youtube channel and break the rules has an odyssey backup mm -hmm. but like that idea of like a, a blockchain based service where the jannies of YouTube can't just delete your whole existence and all of your work for so many years. Mm -hmm. Like to me, imagine like all those channels that got banned. Imagine if they had Odyssey back in the day, right? Like for example, who was the recent one that got clipped? Uh, Millennial Woes, he got fucked over. Like he, that, his YouTube channel was the last thing, right? And they got rid of it for whatever reason. I mean, they wanted to get rid of him for years, but like, um, and as much as like, you know, I don't necessarily, not that I agree with everything he says, but like that, that's like, this is what I try to argue, you know, in my article with I am 1776 in a way it's like a form of violence to just get rid of people from the internet all at once. Like, you know, people like Alex Jones. Oh my God. That's actually a good drawing of Varys. Holy yeah. Varys. What, what do you think? How, how would you write <laughs> this? What drawing? Wait, you the balloon. Balloon. The balloon. The balloon. The balloon. There you go. The creepy balloon. That's pretty decent. That's pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty that. decent. <laughs> that could be on the it's blockchain. Funny. That could be a, an NFT. So, thing. Lev, well, you've got to got to do. Um, I'm gonna go too soon because it's like one at yes, one a.m. Yeah, yeah, I got to eat. Let me. I've got some. Oh, wait, I've got something to say. I've got something important to say. It's very important. It's very important. Lev, break the rules has to do something about their carbon print, and what they're gonna do is what you got to do is got to do a video of you planting a tree after every episode oh yeah like, we could, um, i'm amplifying you could do, we're amplifying yeah yeah and you could do and you could do this like weird vip patreon thing if you like donate 50 bucks and you plant like five trees or something or i don't know, you know what's really funny no, that's a good idea the very that's first slavic, the very first slavic zizek video i ever saw was him talking about this exact topic about him talking about the planting uh, trees the, and they say yeah. i'm green and uh, i'm yeah the green capitalism <laughs> about starbucks yeah green capitalism that with the starbucks thing that was the very first video i saw of him and yeah he, yeah this, they were like doing it where if you buy like a fucking mocha grande or whatever mm -hmm. and they'll donate it to habitat for not exactly even that, he's like and there's donate to some this you know, this, this trans woman of color. Green, yeah no he's like this this green capitalism we need to go through that's that's what i first actually heard about accelerationism <laughs> to too. go through the green capital the very first so time i heard close. accelerationism was, was it's amazing a bit seeing a... him do it live like because mm. i went to the jordan peterson thing oh yeah I fucking spent 90 bucks on that night, but like that, like to see him do it, like to do that, you know, the Jordan Peterson talks about, uh, talks about the capitalism. It's that was, uh, but it is surreal I, when you see, I like, just did it for the cloud. I did to live tweet like that. Hmm. That debate wasn't, wasn't that great. It wasn't but, that yeah, great. I saw, nope. I saw what's his face. Um, the, the black Harmon versus Isaac. No, the black preacher guy, super famous philosopher. Uh, who, of course, I can't remember his name right now. Cornell West. What? Cornell West. Cornell, I saw you him saw Cornell West? Yeah, and it was very surreal because he behaves like 
he looks it feels like you're watching a youtube video he behaves, <laughs> yeah, he does, behaves yeah. exactly like that in person and oh my it's, god it's very surreal you're like oh okay wow. this is, yeah this is a person was yeah. he debating someone no he was doing a, a lecture this was in college oh. so i saw guys, i think okay, I, okay guys i'm I gonna saw head out oh, yeah. thanks a lot for having Leo. me thanks a lot. Right, well, thank you so much for stream. coming thank in you. man thanks this man. is the end of the stream i really appreciate you coming in and everybody do we have guys, anything for Thursday? Or of what? course we have anything for Thursday. Are you kidding me? Thursday, we're or having Friday. another marathon. No Friday. Thursday, we're having a marathon fucking stream. So again, this week is like, what the fuck is going on? So Thursday, we are going to have Grit Cult coming oh, in. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, so Grit Cult is coming in. That's going to be for um, 3 p.m. And then 5 p.m., we're going to have, uh, you know what, verse? We're going to have the Ayla Girl. The Verse AS Showdown. Yes, and it's going to be reverse, but verse in the reverse. Uh, I know you don't want to do the reverse thing. And Zero HP uh, Lovecraft can, says he's going to stream snipe in the I comments. I just genuinely do not think I can keep maintain composure <laughs> and while the talking to her in, and defending her point. It just wouldn't work. There's no way. What are we going right, to talk? Well, are we just going to well, talk Gio. about the OnlyFans thing? Are we going to talk about like, the no, rationalist? No, no, no. no, no. We're going to talk about women's rights. We're going to talk about... I oh, mean, my God. The subject, just, yeah. the we, subject... We have to bring on We have to bring on someone from Bimbo Twitter who Please. really hates it. We have to bring on Mommy Milkers, who really hates yes. Ayala Girl. So we, I really hate Ayala Girl. No, but I know, respect, I know. Much respect to much every, respect. I mean, much, Yes, to, to her for uh, coming in. Uh, really appreciate yeah, I it. I can't believe it. She's like the top OnlyFans... Hell you know, yeah. she's actually been she's been top like cam girl for a minute. Like I saw videos yeah. of her on Efucked from like ten years ago. Oh and, yeah, that's right. She's she having like a E-fucked. meltdown, and she's like having like a a meltdown on camera. Like, yeah, the one like, where she's like crying. Oh my yeah, god! Absolute classic oh, video, fuck. and it's kind of crazy that I'm actually talking to her now on this. I on know, this, man. Thursday. Was she <laughs> so the weird. one that was like choked out? No, that was a different. No, she's like literally like screaming at the computer and crying and like hitting the laptop and like. <gasps> And, Whoa, and like that on her was her? Yeah. It's oh, she looked different uh, back then, man. It was like 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's a classic crap. YouTube video. Man, I mean, oh, man, like, the internet video. All right, guys, we're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go right now. Uh, this is it. This is the end. And uh, I prepare just say your butthole for Thursday. Yes. Subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. Keep on subscribing right now. We gotta get new subscribers. All the new. Get Nina Bailey on that. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. oh. oh man, that's no, good. It's gonna be a rush. It's gonna be exciting. I'm very excited for this. This is the end of the stream. Mwah. Good night, everybody. God bless. Goodbye. God bless everyone. Take care. Here, this is the end.